Hello, I'm Adam and welcome to the Keys Coach podcast. This is the podcast where I sit down with piano, keys and synth players and talk about their life in music. Today's guest is the amazing Rob Eklund. I've known Rob for a good few years now and he has played with absolutely everybody. Cher, Niall Rogers, Kylie Minogue, Brian Adams, Jess Glynn, the list just goes on and on. He is one of the busiest keys players and arrangers in the industry today. And this was a really interesting chat where we spoke about his early days, how he got into the piano and how he got those first few gigs. We talk about his work on TV shows like The X Factor, Britain's Got Talent and The Masked Singer. We find out how he manages multiple projects all going on at the same time. And he tells us about his recent EP, Beyond the Lights, which came out last year. One of the great things about this chat is the advice Rob passes on to anyone wanting to enter the music industry. He's a lovely guy, so down to earth. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with the amazing Rob Eklund. Well, thanks so much, Rob, for coming on. It's uh, great You're to have welcome. you here. Uh, whereabouts, whereabouts are you at the moment? So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm based in Bedford, so I'm, I'm up there at the moment. Uh, I've had a couple of things on in London uh, the last couple of days, um, and I've been abroad quite a lot lately, actually. But um, no, I'm at home uh, and enjoying, enjoying the peace and quiet. That's nice. And you, um, you've got a studio at your house, right, where you work from? That's right, yeah. Ten steps into the garden, so I, I can't blame the traffic um, for anything, so... Uh, but it's uh, it's great. Yeah, I've had it for about uh, about seven years. I did have a studio space previously to that as well. Um, but uh, this one here for about seven years-ish, I think. Um, and yeah, it's brilliant. It's fantastic. A great space. I love kind of going. I like the kind of uh, physical aspect of, aspect of actually going to work, yeah. um, um, which I find really kind of important kind of mentally and stuff. I always get dressed when I go out there. You know, I, I'm never just going out and kind of, my dressing gown or something i always get dressed and it's i always go to work you know and i really i find that um yeah mentally quite an important thing i think oh man that sounds great uh i'm sure we'll um i'm sure we'll delve in some of the stuff we're doing but maybe we should go right back to the beginning and talk a little bit about how you actually got into music in the first place so wh- whereabouts did you grow up so i was born in london i was born in westminster and um but we lived the first four or five years of my life in uh fry and barnet oh, okay. and then um and then moved to Watford I lived in Watford kind of um until I went to music college um and then I was in London for for many years then kind of back in Watford for a little bit then Wellington City and then now Bedford so I've kind of always been in, really within a kind of square yeah <laughs> square 25 miles or something really but um but yeah I I, I was born in yeah born in London and then I, I mean I started playing when I was um started playing when I was about three right um, and um, basically how it transpired, and I think I think this is um, honouring the story correctly, but um, that my mum, my brother and my sister were all going out on Wednesday afternoon somewhere where I wasn't going. I'd be with like a babysitter or, or childcare or whatever. And um, either one week the childcare couldn't make it or or I wanted to go where they were going. And I basically went with them and it, they were going to piano lessons. Right. And um, they were having kind of half an hour each after each other. And I um, I kind of just asked, I, I just wanted to do it. And I, I kind of went up, I enjoyed enjoyed hitting hitting the piano, making making some noise. And um, I suppose I, I could, um, <laughs> I basically could, I, I basically played three notes in a row um, through total lack total 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 luck uh that was three blind mice right and 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 i said oh that's three blind mice and um and obviously that was total total luck but it kind of then spurred a thought of oh you know it, you know he ultimately he recognizes pitch and stuff and um and I, I basically i started having essentially five minute lessons there was nothing serious if i wanted to do one minute then it was one minute if i wanted to do 10 minutes it was 10 minutes but I was color. Co- I, I can't remember what they were now. But I was taught by color code, okay. essentially. So, um, um, so it it was all kind of whatever. And A was yellow, B was blue, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, and it was all just fun. It was all good, good spirited fun. And um, and and yeah, I suppose I I kind of I just fell in love with it straight away, really. And but I, I fell in love with it from a total 
kind of hobby point of view. Right. It was just it was just fun. I, I was ultimately I was at an age where everything should be fun. You know, you shouldn't be taking anything seriously at that age. You know, of course. So I just really enjoyed going to the piano and 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 messing about and and actually I kind of because I could I suppose because I had a good you know sounds sounds really silly but a good knack for hearing pitch I kind of I just I just would hear something and essentially just play it back um and so it was always just always just a bit of fun and then I kind of started I mean I played in I played in concerts I don't mean I gave a concert I mean I I played in concerts kind of when I was about four or five you know playing things like oh when the saints and stuff like that and you know I do silly things like put my put my feet up on the piano and stuff you know it was all kind of just basically just messing about you know and um and I loved it but with that in mind I kind of I kind of would argue that I didn't learn I didn't learn prop whatever properly even means I didn't learn properly I messed I just messed about I just I just loved doing it so you know um I wasn't doing I mean obviously I was loosely doing things like scales but I wasn't properly doing scales I also wasn't reading um everything was ears I mean everything was ears so I was about 15 right like literally everything so um I just knew how things sounded or how things felt I didn't really know what it meant when it was written down which ironically is what's really ironic now considering that 95 percent of my work is is kind of as an arranger and, and, and stuff so it's it's um yeah that's that's yeah that's quite funny really that that's how that transpired but but yeah it was all all ears and all basically just hear something on the radio play it back you know not necessarily always correctly but but that was kind of that's what I enjoyed doing and and yeah I I suppose I loved it um pretty much just straight away and so I've kind of been doing it as long as I've been learning to read words and and learning to you know and, and talking and all that you know it's it's just been a constant in my life really fantastic so where did what what was the next stage then so you're obviously having an amazing time learning the piano did someone say oh you should go and study music or you should go and do this or what was what came next well so i i when i was about 11 i took up percussion and drums and that was very very militant for me that was a, that was i was taught it very very well very strictly and so I knew what I needed to do to get better. Right. So it was very much kind of rudiments based and and exercises and 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 all this and that. And actually, that's I then made the decision that I wanted to go to to music. Well, no, I always knew I wanted to do music, but that, that I then made the decision I wanted to go to music college. But I actually went as a percussionist. So I was at Royal College of Music as a as a as a percussionist and drummer, um, because that's what I. That, I think that's what I thought I was supposed to do because I always think about this now in hindsight, which is when you're, at least it was, it was this way back when I was a teenager, don't know what it's like now, but you, you kind of went to Tuesday night brass band, Wednesday night wind band, Friday night orchestra. There weren't things like Thursday night commercial pop band. Yeah. You know, it, that thing that didn't exist. So I never really realized that that world was a thing because it wasn't available as a as a as a teenager to go and do which I think is such a shame really because it it's it's an enormously valid um avenue of avenue of music you know enormously valid and and actually as far as I was concerned I because I was messing about playing piano it wasn't a real thing it was just like performing monkey just play just play this song Oh, that's funny. You can play that. Blah blah blah. You know. Whereas percussion, it, it was a very serious thing. You know, this is how I play. This is what I do. This is how I hold the sticks. You know, and it, very serious. And when I was fifteen, I I then kind of really ploughed into the reading thing and realised obviously that I needed to have that. And then and then I you know I I auditioned for a bunch of the colleges and I you know and I I wanted to go to Royal College because I wanted to study with the drum uh, drum professor there, Ralph Ralph Salmons. I wanted to study with him, and uh, I got in um which was which was fantastic and i went there and uh <laughs> and then ironically after a year kind of fell out of love with with that side of things but only because i'd started then playing loads more piano mm-hmm. and that became my my love and what i what i enjoyed and and you know i was better at it and uh and i also was just way more passionate about it way more passionate about it like i 
you know, if you, if you told me to sing, you know, Marla 2, I couldn't. But if I sat in the back of an orchestra, I'd be like, this is fantastic. This is great. This is brilliant. What what an amazing work. But, but you know, I didn't, I didn't know it. Whereas obviously with, 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 you know, famous piano intros and stuff and, and general commercial music, I, I, I knew no loads more about it and, and loved it and was passionate about it. So I think it was certainly the right decision, if not a kind of a bit of a, a journey to, to get to it, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's so important to find the thing that works for you and that, that sort of chimes most with what you want to, what you want to do. I mean, yeah. the Royal College of Music is quite, uh, is, is very much on the classical side of things. So were there people mm. there that you could jam with? How did that, when did you start playing with other people, like on a, on a more kind of commercial kind of pop setting? Yeah. So it, it was super classical and a very, very, very straight ahead. Um, um, so that worked two ways for me um both positively one was that there were barely anyone that there were a couple of people a bit older than me but um there was barely anyone playing keys in that in in that you know stylistically how i was playing so it meant that i got all the opportunities whenever there was a jam night in the bar or something because because there was a second study jazz course so there were people people in you know obviously really interested in that and 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 doing that but you know people people wanted to play but there weren't many many keys players who who were doing that kind of thing so i got all the opportunities and there was a there was a external agency there called the woodhouse center uh who got loads of external kind of corporate gigs this that and other and and again i just got all the opportunities from them because there was no one else doing it so instead of there being two or three people a year or whatever uh doing kind of the same thing as you and it was kind of kind of just a couple of us really doing it across the whole college so whenever there's jam night in the bar i'll always be there you know i kind of set up um kind of function outfits just to 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 play all that music that i loved which was that and so all that stuff was was one thing but the other thing was there was a um i initially started second study initially jazz piano with a guy called charlie beale who then went off to new york charlie was a fantastic educator great 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 pianist great educator but he i mean i literally had about three lessons with him and then he had to leave but i was really open with him i said i, I don't want to play jazz i'm not i'm I'm no good at it I'm, I'm i'm it's it's not it's not where i'm at but it's also not where my passion is i really want to play kind of pop soul kind of gospel piano that's that's what i love that's what i'm i feel i'm kind of strongest at and we got on really well and he was really good to me. And it, he basically, in essence, let me write unofficially, let me write my my own course, essentially. Uh, and then that carried through my second, third and fourth year. And I had an amazing, amazing, amazing piano, piano teacher called Mike Moran. And Mike, Mike's um, kind of real heyday was 70s, 80s, 90s. And he you know, co-wrote things like Barcelona, this, that and the other. You know, Carly Simon, nobody does it better. That's him and all that. You know, really really amazing piano player and he was great for me because technically as a second study i was supposed to get half an hour every two weeks and he gave me an hour every week so i got four times the amount i was supposed to i got all the opportunities there and mike was in that world of playing you know doing the commercial thing you know if there'd be a rod stewart night at the albert hall it would be mike conducting and doing the arrangements and that's what I, that's the stuff i wanted to do you know so Mike was great to me because he would bring in real life situations. He'd just, he'd bring in a chart, he'd put it in front of me and he'd go, he'd put, you know, he'd pretend to be a, a singer who'd lost their voice and wanted it down a tone and go, right. Okay. Play it down a tone. Off you go. You know, real life scenarios that happen uh, and you have to be put in front of, and that, that, that stood me in such great, great stead for everything that I've ended up going to do because so much of my work has been, you know, piano routining and stuff for, for, for telly and for, for or whatever where you know you are expected to hear something once play it back in any key in any style and you know they don't want you to hear it twice they want you to hear it once because you're, you're essentially a jukebox and that kind of all stemmed really from 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 i mean i i was always able to do it because i grew up doing it kind of for fun uh but then because uh, i enjoyed doing it but then when mike mike was showing me that it was a real thing i obviously then took that even more seriously and and so then it just became a 
a thing that I would always do. I'd just, I'd stick a piece of music on and, and try and take it down essentially at tempo. Um, you know, first time scribbling out normally, um, normally in numbers, I'd, I'd, I'll normally be writing the degree of the scale as unless, unless I hear straight away, it's in a certain key that I might use the chords, but otherwise I just use numbers and then, um, and, uh, just do that at tempo and, and, you know, sometimes you sometimes you might be guess you might be going super quick and you might be guessing a bit of a core, but you just got to use your use your brain at that point and and, and your initiative and hope that you're kind of right, and um, and yeah, I suppose I, I just did a lot of that really, and so so actually, whereas Broad College was, if I'd have, if I'd have gone there to study commercial piano, it would have been the wrong decision, right? But I went there in a kind of really backwards way of being wanting of being a percussionist. And then that led me to the right opportunities because, as I say, it is a very classical college and um, and an amazing place. I, I had the time of my life there, an amazing place, amazing teachers. But actually, for me, getting getting the, those opportunities and and managing to learn with Mike because we just sit piano next to piano, we just sit piano next to piano and we just play. And he'd just roast me. He'd be like, "No, play <laughs> play it louder, play it, you know, play mm. it harder." But yeah, and actually, it was brilliant for me because it was just real life scenarios played out you know together in a room which was great that sounds amazing that sounds like perfect stuff you were learning to prepare you for what you went on to do kind of after that yeah yeah so how um so you've just finished at the royal college what how did you move from kind of studying to actually working in the industry was that quite a long process or was that relatively short or did you just find that you were getting gigs how did that work a bit of both really because um i suppose i I've been. I, I was gigging before I went to college, so I was. I was lucky enough to be, but that was mostly on percussion. That was mostly on percussion. But I was lucky enough to be doing a load of a load of things, kind of local amdram shows and stuff. And so I kind of got my foot in the door of, of those things. So that that for the first couple of years kept me really busy while I was at college. Sometimes sometimes playing percussion, sometimes MDing them, and playing some piano and stuff. But but actually. Then I got a. Then I I went for a, funny enough I went for a less a piano lesson when I was deciding I wanted to change over uh, with Rob Taggart. I went for a lesson with Rob and I, I this must have been two thousand and eight some of that. And Rob was brilliant. He totally totally roasted me, you know, because I ultimately I knew absolutely nothing. I was just like, yeah, I want to play piano, you know. He's like, what do you know about sounds? I'm like, I don't know, piano, <laughs> you know. And uh, and he to totally roasted me in a really great way. And then about three weeks later, he he phoned me and said, I've just been sent an email about a band that needs a keys player. It's, just, it's a function band, but needs a keys player. Would you be up for it? I was like, yeah, 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 great. Anyway, I kind of got the gig. And um, that band was super, super busy. Kind of had three or four functions, well, probably three, three functions a week. Um, but that's all up while I was at college. So actually, I was kind of really learning, learning my craft at that point, really, because yeah. I... I remember their, their first question to me was, you know, are you available this Saturday and do you have a second keyboard? I said yes and yes. And I cancelled my plans on Saturday and I bought a second keyboard. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll just do it. Off we go, you know, let's have it. And um, and I went and I I kind of learnt loads on that, I, you know, and I met some, I met some really great people there who have become great friends, great colleagues, but also people who who then helped shape helped to shape me and what I've done. Um, two drummers in particular, Justin Shaw and Joe Evans, they both put me up for things that I've then got that have further advanced my career. So actually I, I kind of, I boil a lot of things down to actually this band and um, it was very, it was really busy and that was good. But then I did loads of, loads of things like kind of residencies in, in restaurants and, and stuff like that, you know, around London and, I used to do loads of them, and then I, uh, you know, and from my second year, I was doing a panto every every Christmas, which I'd be MDing, and and I kind of again learned, you know, really learning craft at all in all areas, really. And yeah, I I, I was kind of super lucky, really, but I I wouldn't say I was doing, you know, there's there's this uh, one thing I hear a lot is people wanting stuff straight away. And that's very, very rare. That's like a generational talent will get stuff straight away. Yeah. For for most most of us, 
mere mortals we 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 really do just need to put in the work and 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 do the apprenticeship and and all of that and then if you do the apprenticeship right and you yeah i, I always use this this analogy right that i think that i think it's a given that we should be good at what we do because that's what we 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 profess to do right so if a plumber came around to fix my toilet i'd expect them to fix it because that's that's their job i i expect us to be able to play the music that we're supposed to be playing because that's our job it's the unwritten things that are the things that all of a sudden make you good at your job which is where you on time where you a good hang mm. where you kind where you were you helpful were you you know if it was someone else's first gig were you nice to them you, you know all that kind of stuff that's the unwritten stuff that that all of a sudden actually makes you kind of seems to make you good or not and the reliability and, and have you learned the set and all that malarkey and actually um i think that by doing all that stuff and and serving your apprenticeship and doing all the right things the right things then come up your way you know and um you know how that happened for me then was i was a few years in and and justin justin was on a, a tour I'd, I'd done a few nice things i i, I did the opening ceremony of the olympics um Ralph had got me involved and I was actually a drum captain on that um which was great and I did a small small tour as a as a as a piano player on a, a little show really small show um but um you know we were in the back of a splitter van uh the cast of three a stage manager and me when a, a old splitter van that was breaking you know I had to help set up and pack down the set at the end of every of every every show uh and you know blimey i was on next to nothing a week to do it you know but it was all part of the, the apprenticeship you know and then justin called because he said they're looking for a new md for a show called soul sister which was the life and music of ike and tina turner would i be interested and i was like yeah i'd love to went for a meeting with keith strachan keith was a musical supervisor keith was most famous for writing things like mizzletown wine and then and well most famous for writing the music for um who it's been millionaire right. um um, which I think he answered with yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, and um, I went for a meeting with Keith. We got, funny enough, we got on like a house on fire, but I didn't get the gig. It went to someone else who had more experience. And I remember being devastated thinking like, well, you only get experience if someone gives you the experience, you know? And I remember being really gutted about it. But then he phoned me about a week later and he goes, the other person's actually turned it down. Do you want to do it? And I jumped at the chance. I said, yeah. It was going the following week on a nine-month tour md of this show that was already out so i had to go in and you know the md was was leaving a guy called sean green i had to go and replace him uh sean's a fantastic musician um and uh i went in i had a great time really enjoyed it and then at the back end of that uh a drummer dave elliott had said to me oh that you know i've been asked to recommend people for a new show in in the west end would you like to be considered and i was like yeah fantastic we went along for kind of i suppose an audition whatever you want to call it and as a rhythm section and we got the gig and then literally two days after i finished the soul sister tour i was straight in the west end with this with this show Stephen ward and and then you know all of a sudden you then you then start being in town and and then all of a sudden things start kind of start, start building up really and and um and then the other you know I then was uh, also with that same band, by the way, that I go back to, there was a drummer, Joe Evans, uh, amazing drummer. And, um, and we worked together loads. And then his friend, a guy called Matt Brind, uh, Matt's a fantastic arranger, piano player, um, kind of TVMD. And he, um, he was looking for an assistant and Joe said, Joe said, ask Rob. Uh, I'm sure Rob would love to do it. And and then I'd never met Matt. And then Matt goes, okay, can you come to Angel Studios on, you know, on Friday morning, we're doing a session for, for I think it's, it's either Britain's Got Talent or America's Got Talent. I think it was America's Got Talent. I said, can you come along and meet me? So I went along and I met him and we got on like a house on fire. We got on great. And I actually remember him there giving me some advice straight away before we'd even really spoken. And he goes, I'm just telling you this because no one ever told me this. Um, which is uh you're very welcome here uh it's lovely to meet you 
please sit in the corner and don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> and it was brilliant advice. It was really brilliant advice because I sat there and I just soaked it all up and I didn't say anything. And at lunchtime, he's like, fantastic, great. Well, we start Monday with a whole host of stuff for, for X Factor and for something else. Um, it was like a workshop of a musical or something. And um, and I'd never programmed anything at that point. I'd done loads and loads and loads of tons of arranging, but I'd never programmed anything. So then we he hired a room at Air for two weeks, and we were there working every day, and I learned absolutely tons. I was just thrown in the deep end, and then on the fourth day or something, he goes right, um, you know, buckle up. I'm giving you your first your first TV arrangement, which was "It's Oh So Quiet," the Bjork song uh, for a lady on X Factor called Sara Alto, and um, he was like, "What? Well, we're recording it tomorrow, at Angel." So off you go and arrange it. Uh, I did, and then it was on the telly two days later or something. Um, you know, big band and strings, and and um, and then all of a sudden, I'm then asked to go and you know do all the you know do some some of the routining at. Um, X Factor, which is then the same team for Britain's Got Talent. I did some for America, Got Talent, and then you start. People start knowing that that's the kind of stuff you're doing, and yeah. um, and others TV shows, The Masked Singer, um, Name That Tune, but a whole, whole host of them all together now, like lo- loads of them really. But those opportunities all stemmed from one function band. Yeah, it's amazing how it can all spiral. You mentioned routining. What just for so everyone who's listening, what does routining mean? Sure. So it, I mean, it's basically a posh word for rehearsing. So basically, you're um, uh, it, it's where you're you're with a with uh, in terms of a TV show, you'll be with the contestants. Uh, sometimes I've, I've done it for um, for albums and stuff, and where you'll be with the artist, and you're basically getting the song that they want to do. Say the song is Natural Woman, um, you know, uh, and they go right. We want to do that, and we want to get the temp. We want to find the tempo. Okay. Great, whatever the original tempo is, just they might say, let's do it two BPM faster, two BPM start. Okay, what key do you want to do it in? Original, okay, original's a bit too low, so we take it up a tone or whatever. And then we'll record like a kind of guide piano uh, with the right structure, the right tempo, the right key. So you're basically laying out the routine for that, the, 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 the song, you know, um and with that is the, all the information that everyone needs all the information that the that the producers will need that the the you know if you're doing a tv show things like it will go to the lighting team it will go to everyone so they know exactly how long it's going to be stylistically how it's going to be um you know choreographers will need it etc so yeah it's a yeah that's the kind of that's how i would describe it really but it's 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 um it's quite demanding. You know, you are basically played something once over a, over a PA and it might be a rubbish version, you know, rubbish version from YouTube or something. And, um, and you are expected just to scribble something down, play it back, whatever key, whatever tempo, whatever style they want straight away, you know, and that's actually something that you just get better and better and better at. And, um, you know, there's a whole, there's whole massive teams in these rooms. You know, Mm. you've got heads of A&R, heads of record labels, heads of the TV company, vocal coaches, researchers, you know, and, and absolutely you're the least important person in the room. You just, you're sat there in the corner and you've just got to, you basically just got to show up and do your job when you're asked, you know, and you might do nothing. You might be twiddling your thumbs for an hour and a half. Then all of a sudden they go, okay, David Bowie, life on Mars, you know, up a minor third. Ah, God, here we go. You know, and it's, um, you know, it's, uh, but I love it. I love all that. It's, I find it really fun and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really enjoyable. I mean, it all stems back to those skills you're talking about learning by ear and being able to work stuff out really quickly. I know a lot of the people listening to this will be thinking, God, I'd love to be able to work stuff out by ear better or be able to hear a song and be able to play it back. What kind of tips would you give them for wanting to be, you know, to help them be able to do that? Um, I think in terms of ears, it's, I think nothing, nothing exactly like reading, exactly like technique, exactly like anything. It's just practice. It's just exposure to it. And actually, if I don't do it for, say I don't do it for a month, if I was to then go and go and do it again the next day, I'd be 
slower than if I'd been doing it every day for a month. Yeah. So it's it's a practice thing. It's the same thing for a, a brass player with their lip. They, you know, they'll take a mouthpiece on holiday with them, so they they keep their lips in shape. It's the same thing for for us, really. It's it's a you've just got to practice, and sometimes that practice doesn't even have to be at a piano. Yeah. It could be just in the car driving and and hearing a piece of music and 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 just working everything out in your head and you know uh, working out the correlation between the melody and what degree of the scale it is and you know, I, I'm, I hear everything from really from, from the root, from the bass, you know, that's where I'm, I'm listening from, um, in that sense. So, so I'm certainly taking everything from there. And, and then at that point, you then start to recognize, you just recognize the sounds, don't you? I think at that point, yeah, you know, you recognize as something as simple as a major chord and then any, any extensions of that. And, and then every now and again, you kind of go, oh, blimey, what's that? You know, and, then you work then you work it out and you go oh that's what that is okay yeah and it becomes it becomes something that you've then added to your 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 brain i suppose hi it's adam here i just want to quickly interrupt the podcast to ask you a very small favor if you're getting lots of value from these conversations and want to stay up to date with all our latest episodes please do subscribe to the keys coach wherever you get your podcasts this means that you can continue to hear these great conversations and you'll be notified each time a new episode comes out and if you're feeling even more generous, please do consider leaving us a review. This helps others to discover the podcast and join this community. Thank you so much for your support. Hit that subscribe button. Let's get back to the conversation. So obviously you had all this work on TV you were doing. And then, I, I mean, anyone who's listening, Rob's played with absolutely everyone. His CV reads like it's, it's the longest mm. CV I've ever seen in my life. He's played with everyone. Um People like Robbie Williams, Cher, Noel Rogers, Kylie Minogue. How did all those opportunities come about? Um, so again, bits of bits of luck, really. Kind of right place, right time. And I go back to the, the, you know, go back to the the unwritten rules about being on time, being reliable, yeah. never miss. No, don't you know? Do not miss a deadline. Just don't do it. You know, it's not worth it. <laughs> don't do it. I've never missed one, and that kind of thing can it all stands you in good stead really and um i kind of started doing some assisting on some 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 records for for matt, matt brind and um we worked together on them and then you kind of meet some people who you know um who have really taken taken a punt really and 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 then i suppose i i did the first two series on on the mass singer and the mass singer you'd end up working with a a load of people there and then end up producing kind of a couple of the tracks and well, a number, a number of the tracks. And then you, you know, you, I did a few for like CeeLo Green and then Joss Stone and a whole, whole bunch of, you know, Neo and, you know, really, you know, ra random, uh, kind of random ways of doing that. And then I, I worked for some producers at, at Metrophonic, um, Brian Rowling, Mark Taylor, uh, Paul Meehan, um, they're all, amazing you know brian grammy award winning as, as mark is and you know they wrote share believe and hero enrique inglesias and stuff and they've been fantastic to me really fantastic and i've i've done um well literally today i've, I've just finished another orchestration for um a share christmas record that's coming out this year and um and that's through them and and ultimately that's that's really just born from the fact of that I suppose you you just end up meeting a whole bunch of people who 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 are busy and they need they need a team I suppose and I think various points of these 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 employment avenues they've all been they've all been kind of different eggs in different baskets I yeah. think really like some of them have been like this one this one for share they don't need me for any anything you know I've played a bit of piano and some stuff um but they don't necessarily need me for for piano. They 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 more want me for strings and 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 orchestration. And actually, I grew up in orchestras, and and so I, I love all of that. Uh, I'm really passionate about it. I love it, and that's something that they want want me to add some flair to or whatever. Um, so I go in and, and and help with that. But they don't need me for 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 other things that you might think. Oh, is he doing that? Is it, no, actually, that instance that is that is um, that is a uh, orchestration and, arra uh, and 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 arranging. But it, 
but then there there are some avenues where you go oh well i've just i've just played two minutes of really simple piano for 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 this artist or whatever and yeah you know i do I do a lot with the con- bbc concert orchestra they do these kind of um radio two piano rooms yeah i've seen those yeah they're really fun they're they're really rewarding i really enjoy them actually um uh i really enjoy them and and you know i then get to go and work with the artists artists there and and then you know that you end up forming a bit of a relationship with the artists yeah, some of them not all of them um but you know sigrid for instance was really lovely really on board she was really fantastic and then you had um but then i did one with richard marks this year and he was amazing you know he's hollywood is a superstar but he was on personal email yeah you weren't dealing with 84 managers you were dealing with him and he'd get back to you within half an hour and you'd send him a a dodgy demo on you know via via a link or whatever and he he'd be listening to it on a boat <laughs> it, you know in, in somewhere beautiful and he and he'd write back and go yeah fantastic i really like this really like this bit really like that bit not sure about bar 10 you know can we can we have a look at that and and actually that's the that brings me to another point i think with so much of this work as well you just have to be easy to work with be easy to work with be kind be humble but most of all just get rid of any ego <laughs> you know there is there's no space for it that what there is space for is confidence and confidence in your ability and and confidence in what you can bring to the table that's fine that's good but no ego because yeah. ultimately we're, we're kind of we're trades people you know we're we are that plumber we are that electrician we are that person where someone says i would like you to do this in this style please and you go okay of course, every now and again, someone goes, right, free reign, do what you want. Okay, fine. That's, but that's fairly rare. It's normally, can we have this in the style of this, in the style of that? The answer is yes. And if they say they don't like bar five, they don't like it, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's, that's absolutely fine. What's not fine is then having an ego about that and going, well, no, I like it. So it's staying. Well, you then won't get asked back, <laughs> you know, and, and, yeah. you know, it, you know, your job can be to, to recommend things and to, this, that, and the other, but often it's just to really be a tradesperson mm. and just kind of serve the music because you're not serving your own brain, you're serving the music. I mean, someone who looks at like your CV and all the different things you're doing, I mean, they're probably thinking, how on earth do you manage all those different projects on the go? How do you keep all those plates spinning? Um, well, that's a good question. Um, I, I mean, I must confess that I used to have a terrible work-life balance. Right. So, so I did used to, I mean, I've sorted that out now. So I have a, a much better work life balance. Um, but for a long time, you know, work came first, you know, yeah. work really came first and, and that came ahead of a lot of things. Um, but actually really important things like sleep and, uh, you know, it, I, I just say yes and would try and fit everything in. And, but then actually, you know, that I, I, I have addressed that and that's much better now, but I think you do have to, you do have to be super, 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 super committed and super um, keen and ambitious. I think you know you have to you have to have all those and to keep them all spinning is difficult. And then there's I mean there's a few ways really. One is you take it all on yourself and and you do it all yourself. Or the other way really is to have a bit of a team around you who who can help you out and whether that's someone who can do a bit of programming if you need a bit of programming done if that's someone who can you know um so they can whip together a quick demo for you if it's someone to do a bit of scoring for you you know i've, I've done loads of that for other people as well you know of course. um but bit of scoring bit of kind of writing that's just going to help you just save a little bit of time even if it's just someone's writing out the vocal line for you that just saves you you know saves you 20 minutes per chart but if you've got 10 charts all of a sudden you save yourself a few hours yeah. you know little little things like that is, is always helpful and i'm kind of you know, I've got a little team around me who are fantastic and um you know and that that team's always kind of expanding or 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 whatever and so it's um yeah I think you've got to have a bit of that there's certainly a bit of kind of madness to it as well you do have to you do have to really want it and by wanting it that means like it being three in the morning and thinking blimey I've still got I've still got to do another arrangement like what am I doing and but the other way as well to keep plate spinning is to have a great team yeah so everyone naturally thinks their team is fantastic of course they do right that's why you have your team 
And that's great. And you should have your team. So what I did was I set out thinking, okay, I want, I need to have a, a, a essentially a black book of, you know, each instrument, each, each avenue of, of, of the industry where, you know, piano players, bass players, guitarists, uh, other keys players, you know, horns, strings, blah, 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 everything really. And kind of build a bit of a team where you know it's going to be fantastic. You trust them, you know they're playing, you get to know they're playing. And when you've got, when you've got great players around you, you will sound better, you know, but for two reasons, you will raise your game to, to try and even, even get close to the people you're playing with, which is a great thing for you. You also learn so much, learn so much. And, and when I say learn, I mean, learning with your playing, but also particularly with arranging, learning with your, learning with your charts and stuff and, and asking people their opinions. So, so I am. Um, I've been working with Adam Goldsmith quite a lot. A fantastic session guitarist. Uh, one, you know, one of the best best around. And I, I actually went for a guitar lesson with him. I've never played guitar in my life, uh, but I went for a lesson with him, and it was a writing lesson. I said, "Here's a chart. Now, totally roast me. Tell me what's good. Tell me what's bad. And really, tell me what's what's rubbish." You know. And he 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 had a look through it. We it was it was a chart for In the Stone, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And um, and we put the record on. He played through it, and he was like, "Okay, well, the chart is right, which is good. That's that's a good thing." But he goes, "But there's too much information here. There's too there's actually too much." Like I'd written kind of every sixteenth out and stuff. He goes, "That's kind of unreadable in a session, really." Yeah, I don't need all that. I just need the accents. You know, if you want the top specific tops of the voicings or whatever. But if you write the accents really clearly. And just underneath, right, funky 16s, pick out accents. I know exactly what you mean and exactly what to do. But all this is, and so actually, you know, by being roasted for, for an hour, that was great because I got loads of information out of it. You know, as I say, I was a drummer. And even from being a drummer, I still spoke to spoke to Ralph, uh, my old professor. And I said, right, here, again, here's a drum chart. Roast me. What works, yeah. Yeah, what works, what doesn't. What do you want to see? Um and by asking people what they want to see and ask asking blowers, you know, how do that how do they want to see things? You know, as a section, do they do they know exactly what they want to see? You know, are you putting an accent on it on it? Are you putting a hat on it? Are you putting a staccato on it? Are you slurring for, for strings and stuff? You know, all this stuff. Ask the people because people want to help and you need people who are going to be honest with you, not people who are just going to go, Yeah, man, that's great. No, no, tell me. Yeah. You know? mm. Tell me what you think. And um and I've always listened. So I've always taken in what people say. And it's your choice whether you agree with it or not, by the way. You don't have to always agree with, you know, because you could also ask 10 different drummers yeah. and you might get 10 different answers. But so, you know, you can, it's your choice to to use it or, or not. But I think that um, there's so much information to be had from so many amazing people. So you'll learn loads about the material you're working with, loads about your own playing but then also just learning from other people and how they approach approach the situation. You know, when I when I first started doing some sessions and stuff, and, and I was able to to book some players for it, and you know, I you know it'd be someone like a you know Steve Pierce on bass or something, and his note lengths are just unbelievable. And and it, it, you just listen to note lengths and you go, oh wow, okay, I need to work on my note lengths. It's not just about like, oh yeah, man, they sound amazing. Well, yeah, they do sound amazing, but why do they sound amazing? what makes them sound amazing okay well the, the the tone is there the sound is there okay and then you know you start working with some other keys players and you go okay well they're they're amazing they've got great feel but also their sounds are amazing mm. okay so what are they doing there how are they getting these sounds you know what 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 gear are they using are they on main stage are they using external soundboards are they you, you know are they using libraries with and, and stuff or are they just doing it straight from the board and and really just learning from we've got you know we've got so many amazing amazing people here to learn from like literally so many yeah so many across the board and there's so much learning that can be done by just sitting there shutting up and using your ears you know absolutely actually that's such good advice um i've got a couple more things to ask you about uh i i wanted to ask you just a little bit about your production so production's yeah. been a big part of your 
part of your life. Yeah, yeah. How did you get those skills alongside the actual skills on your instrument? Was that just something you were self-taught or did you have lessons or was it YouTube or how, how did you get that? So it, it was basically all self-taught and it, uh, it's actually quite funny because I was practicing this without even realizing I was practicing it every day from about 11 because I would be writing songs at home on a clavinova that you could record uh, up to 16 tracks on. Uh, and I would sit at home it, literally every day. I'd either write a song or I'd do an arrangement or something. And I wasn't charting anything out because at that, that time I wasn't wasn't doing anything like that. I was just doing it all by ear and what I thought, thought felt good. The only thing you couldn't do properly was drums. So you kind of had a like a set drum pattern or whatever that you, or set drum patterns that you could mess about with. But but otherwise I'd be I'd be playing some bass in, I'd playing playing piano and and maybe some roads and some some Hammond and stuff, some strings, but I was I was actually practicing playing to click every single day without me actually I wasn't deliberately doing that. I, that's just how you obviously played in time. So in that you were practicing you were practicing playing to click, um you were practicing um recording and and listening back and uh, working out how have you sounded why did that sound good what why did that voicing sound good why why did that voicing not sound good what about it what what's giving you that kind of emotional tug what's not giving you that you know and and really kind of listening and and working out why things are working or not but i was doing that for so long and then actually Obviously, I then went on to, to college as a percussionist and this and the other. And I didn't do anything like that for ages, but I still had a real interest in recording. So I'd, I'd book out the recording studio at, at Royal College and 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 record things mo- mostly, actually just things like function band demos, you know. But yeah. but recorded them and again, okay, that sounds really thin. Why does that sound thin? Yeah, that's something that I've done. So how can I make that better? And I started getting loosely into to programming but and, and production but but not really until mid to mid to late 20s really and that really came from starting doing some stuff with 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 matt with matt brind and 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 he kind of really showed me the ropes on on some things and i remember saying to him i really want to get into this properly but you know i need to get a load of sound libraries and stuff what do you recommend and i remember it was we were in air we were i remember exactly where we were sitting and he goes mate you know i've got you know five figures worth of you know and the you know high five figures worth of um of sounds it's an endless pit of pit of money but you know if you're serious about it go and do it so i did i just went i just went mad for it and anytime i had a bit of money i'd buy some more sounds and Mm. and uh and i can't i you know i i got again i got lucky really because i a company that produced a load of music um called well they're now called the experience department ted but i am i've done loads and loads and loads of production shows for them over the years i don't know somewhere around 70 80 production shows and they're all like 45 minutes of music um but you're then you know you're producing all that amount of music and some of it is then recorded as live musicians but a lot of it is 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 a lot of it's kind of tracked and stuff and uh and and produce so so i suppose i've had loads of kind of loads and loads and loads of practice there and you know and um i i i I don't know i don't i don't think there's many secrets to it i think it's just all you find your palette of sounds yeah uh and you find your the things that you like and then you do all those things I've spoken about before about the unwritten rules. You do all them. You meet your deadlines, and you, you, you as long as you always do the best that you can do at that point. Yeah. It doesn't matter if in five years' time you look back and kind of go, "I'd do that differently," or, or, oh, and you might think, "Oh, that wasn't very good." That's fine. As long as it's the best that you, as long as today was exactly the, the best that I could do on this day, then I've served today's purpose. You know, it's fine in five years' time to look back and go, "I'd do that differently." That's fine. But, um. And so I think, but all that, that kind of leads you in, in, you know, to, if, if you're doing everything as well as you can on time, you know, with a positive attitude and stuff, it leads to, to more things. And then you, you know, so I, I kind of work a lot with some kind of creative directors, a guy in particular called Gareth Walker, who, who's been fantastic, you know, uh, fantastic to me. And, 
actually remember being on holiday and like a couple of years ago and he phoned me and said like i've got a, you know, quite a big project that i'd really like you to be involved in and i remember saying to him so gareth i'm on holiday do you mind if i answer in like three or four i mean i'm up for it yes but can i just get back to you properly in a few days he said actually no because they're going to need you to fly out in a few days if it goes ahead <laughs> i was like oh blimey okay so i'm sat in a hotel lobby having a meeting with these people and and the, the gig goes ahead fantastic i'm then flown out to abu dhabi for 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 kind of initial meetings and it was you know producing music for warner brothers yeah for, i saw about this this for, is for the superheroes yeah. yeah so that that was actually the second one we did we did a christmas one actually you okay. know back in the last year and um so it's been um that was great you know and and you know being able to produce that that music and actually uh, my co-writer a guy called nick sherm we 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 wrote um we wrote an original song for the christmas show last year which was which is a real kind of thrill you know um so yeah, I, I, I suppose the production side has been, again, no secret really. Just practice, 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 um, and being willing to try things and experiment with sounds, and again, trying to establish why things work, why things don't work, and how can you make better decisions with things moving forward, and just trying things, and and then with a bit of luck right place right time things kind of kind of happen but i i do think that a lot of these happen things happen because we are expected to be good at what we do but those unwritten things are the things that make people go oh they'll be good for it of course because they, they won't miss the deadline i know i keep badgering on about that but i i i i think that's so important you know so important amazing i mean lastly um you recently released your own EP, so you've been doing all loads of other people's music and kind of making them sound amazing. And then in just last year, was it? I think twenty twenty two, you released your own yeah. EP. So what, what was the kind of the process behind that? Why did you go into that project? What 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 was your thought process behind that? Yeah, great. Well, I nineteenth um, of May last year released it, and we had star. We did the first vocal session the previous February, so it was a bit of a lockdown. A lockdown baby but i'd wanted to do it for about 10 years but i just basically i'd never had the i'd never had the kind of guts to do it really um i don't think when i was younger i was kind of at peace with the fact that music was subjective you know i think i'd, I'd kind of wanted everyone to like it so i was too scared to do it but then once i became at peace with that i was like okay just do it who cares yeah it doesn't matter um and i um started doing some writing in lockdown and i just actually funny enough i just posted a few bits on on stories on instagram or whatever just just out of interest and, and actually i got a, i got some real positive things back people say i really i really like this you should you should release it you know you should do some stuff and start getting a bit of confidence behind it but i knew i needed some help i knew i needed some some lyrics and some top line help because you know i love I, I love harmony i love i love melodies i love grooves but i'm not a lyricist i don't claim that i am you know, I can I can contribute a lyric or two to to something that yeah. will make the cap, but I'm not a I'm not a song top to bottom lyricist. No, no way. And um, and just did some writing with a few people, and 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 it's again, it's seeing seeing who you kind of connect with, and and it's a funny story actually because I I sent I sent this groove idea to 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 Nick Sherm, who's now yeah kind of my co-writer, and we're great friends now, but we didn't really know each other very well at the time. And it's really funny because about two days later he sent me back a chorus that i was like that's perfect that's it that that is perfect and he didn't like the fact that i thought it was perfect straight away <laughs> so so actually we didn't get back writing for about three months because i couldn't get him back in the room because he he because he thought my sta he almost thought my standards i think were, were too low but i was like no you've you've just hit it you've got it, it, it that's that's the thing you know Anyway, we then end up doing a bunch of kind of vocal sessions together, and uh, we did a bit of writing after after the sessions, just out of interest, and and we really kind of clicked, and we we really bonded, and yeah, you know, we're great friends and great friends now. But we um, he's you know fantastic musician, like great. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, great singer, great instincts, like really great instincts. Uh, one of the best kind of instincts I've ever met, really, in 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 the industry. And um, and we we just started writing, and it just started happening, and then. Then it all started escalating really we started like booking vocal sessions and kind of deciding who we wanted to sing the songs because again i'm very much about who's the right person for the job it's it's not about 
it's not about who's my friend who, who it's like who's the who who are we hearing who's got the voice um and for me it's, it's got to, it's in that instance particularly where it's got to be about the music and so we we kind of picked who we wanted singer wise and and made it happen and and i wrote a song on there as well with adam martin the guitarist and um we did that song with brendan riley which is actually the first one we recorded and ad had come up with a w- really wicked top line it was great and 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 lyrics and stuff and i'd kind of come up with the with the groove and and the other aspects of the song but he'd done an amazing job on that and we recorded that and then we recorded with the with the other artists and then it continued to escalate of like okay well let's have let's have how many do we have one two three four but seven piece rhythm section two then two percussionists as well um on top of that ollie blake and fabio d'olivera that's amazing yeah um, yeah and it's super creative and, and brilliant they they came up with some amazing ideas particularly actually on that brendan riley tune um this much is true like that that you know if i sent you the 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 individual stems for the percussion uh section is really cool there's like loads of bottles and stuff and we, we literally have bottles on the floor of my studio playing there the the real estate of it is, is amazing it's really really interesting um how it all fits together and then um you know rhythm section we did two days at livingston studios so we had two days to do six songs which was brilliant and that's a rarity these days to have that amount of time but we actually got a chance to really play the songs and learn them um i had five piece uh horn section of of some of the some of the best people you know around you know really amazing led by tom walsh and mike davis graham blevins our white dave bishop and then um 24 strings and the 24 strings was a was a real kind of you know cherry on the icing on the cake you know it was um i've always been a kind of go hard or go home kind of person really and i i just always had said to myself if i'm going to do it i have to do it i have to do it kind of as best as i possibly can reality is i couldn't you know i couldn't really afford it and if you if, if, if you you know if you had a meeting with my accountant they'd say that's an absolutely ludicrous idea what on earth are you doing but <laughs> I think with this kind of thing, you have to do it. Yeah, no, you have to do it properly. Absolutely. And actually, it's kind of ended up opening some doors for me that I've wanted it to open. And so, for that sense, it's been worth every every, every penny. But if you, you know, I, I absolutely loved the process, and it was really beautifully mixed by by a friend of mine, Darren Williams, who did a great job. And I'd heard a mix that he'd done on a on a, on a song a few few years ago that I loved, and I kind of found out who it was, and it was Darren, and he was really on board with everything, real kind of team player did a great job and then um yeah lo- a whole bunch of bvs as well were on it and yeah it was a real um it was a real thrill to do and actually the difference is, is as i said earlier when we're, we're kind of tradesmen a lot of the time in this instance this was right now it's your decision yeah an artistic and that's a lot project, harder yeah. it's a lot harder i mean sometimes it would take me literally days i mean actually days to decide something whereas actually normally i will have to decide something in the space of about 20 seconds yeah at most and and you have to trust your instincts and go with it whereas this when it was your own thing you're like but what about option a b c d you you go through all these options and then that was really difficult actually i found that quite um um i I found that a lot more difficult than i thought particularly as i say because my instinct i I trust i tend to trust my instinct and, and go with it but this was a real case of like okay you've got loads of time there's too much time because it's covid um there's no hurry so yeah, it was that was a really interesting learning curve, and I'd love to do it again, but I've now set a certain bar that I wouldn't want to go below. So yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't now not I wouldn't now not do it with twenty four strings. I wouldn't now not do it with you know. It, yeah, I have to do it properly again and and symphony orchestra next time. Yeah, well, yeah, well, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And I think you know it's um you know I've I've yeah I've also got food to pay for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh man, it's been so great chatting to you. I think I think yeah, there's, there's there's just been so many little nuggets of so much good advice in this interview. Just I oh, think if you. anyone's listening out there who's thinking about wanting to work in the commercial field in as a musical director or just even as a keys player, I think listen to this interview and just take it all on board because it's it's so valuable. Um, if people want to go check you out, um, what can they? Obviously, the EP. Uh, I can I can put yeah. a link to that in the description. Is there anything else you'd uh, you, people can any other places people can go check you out? Well, yeah. So the the EP is called Beyond the Lights, and that that's on on all your streaming platforms and stuff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There are many hard copies still available, which are which work perfectly for coasters. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then um, 
then um yeah i mean my website is just www.robeckland.com that's e-c-k-l-a-n-d um and then there'll be plenty of stuff on there you can find out stuff etc and and you know on on instagram or whatever robeckland music i think it is um but i'm you know i'm 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 always perfectly you know i'm more than happy to talk about things and discuss things with people and and stuff you know I, i've been very lucky to have had some really amazing teachers in, mentors kind of inspirations who've really helped me out along the way and uh you know i'm i'm pretty open about passing a lot of that stuff on because i was past it myself as well you know so um so uh, so yeah you know people can get in touch that's all cool amazing thanks so much for coming on it's been great cheers man welcome thanks for having me Thank you so much to Rob for coming on the podcast. It was great hearing about everything he's up to. Do check out all the links in the description, particularly his EP, Beyond the Lights. Thanks so much for listening. We have lots of other awesome guests coming up for you. So do remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.